welcome to Spirited Conversations. I'm your host, Terry Kennedy. Over the years, friends, family, colleagues, and sometimes complete strangers have shared personal stories with me of encounters with departed loved ones or with unknown entities that couldn't be explained away. These stories have always intrigued me, both personally as a person of faith and professionally as a researcher. Through this podcast, I seek to share and honor these experiences. Well, Pamela, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of Spirited Conversations. You shared that you had had kind of an unusual experience in someone's home. I wondered if you could tell us the story of that experience. So before I talk about that specific experience, I want to just talk about there were two or three instances that I recall now 30 plus years later, where I just had a very unsettling feeling that I couldn't explain. When I was very young, I went to a Halloween haunted house one time only. I never liked them. It's like, as you're entering, you know, you're going to be scared. And even though I should have known that, you know, it's all make-believe, I was very, very scared. And this ominous feeling of fear and being unsettled. To this day, I've never gone into a Halloween haunted house. (laughs) So... That's the closest I can come to explaining what I felt two or three different times in my life for no reason. So the first time that I recall vividly is I just had my son, Jesse, and we were renting a small two-bedroom house, and I was going to set up the small bedroom as his nursery. And it was an older house, but I didn't feel bad in any other part of the house. Kitchen, dining room, my bedroom, living room, I was fine. I never felt uneasy. But every time I would walk into that small bedroom and the closet, I would just feel like I needed to get out of there for no rational reason. So, you know, I kind of blew it off a few times, but every time I would go in to that room or the closet that actually joined the two rooms, I just felt like I had to get out. (laughs) Similar to the Halloween haunted house. It was like, I need to get out of this space now. And I never knew what that was about. Fast forward, maybe three or four years, I was dating a person that I met that lived in another state. And he invited me to his home. And we were going to spend a couple of days together. And he lived in a beautiful home, a very wealthy neighborhood. So there was nothing creepy about the house. It was a beautiful landscape, yards, I don't know, maybe 
you know, a million dollar home. I don't know. Very, very nice home. So he was showing me around. I don't remember. It was maybe a three or four bedroom house. And so, and then we walked into this bedroom that was one of his spare bedrooms and same filling. I was just like, okay, there's just something not right. And I need to get out. And there was an attached bathroom, full bathroom. So I walked in there to look at that. And then it was even stronger. And, and I just felt an immediate need to get out of those rooms. Once I was back in the, the living room in the kitchen, I felt okay. Although I just felt a little uneasy because I'd never felt that feeling that strong. So anyway, in the course of conversation, he was getting ready to put the house on the market and he was telling me the narrative and that he got it at a really good price because the people who owned the home before him had been murdered. And then he explained to me that they both had their necks slashed in that bedroom and bathroom he was showing me. So obviously I was a little beside myself the rest of the weekend and <laughs> You know, it was just an unusual situation. Then I thought back, and I don't remember all the instances now because it's been 30 plus years. But at that time, I remember thinking back to every other time I'd had that weird feeling. And so for me, it was like, well, then there's something to it. There's some reason why I had this unsettledness in all of these previous examples, although I would probably never know what they were. So that's pretty much my story. But Terry, I did think about how unusual it is that I've never had that feeling again. So Maybe I've just made better decisions <laughs> in better places <laughs> and haven't needed to call upon that. Or maybe age and education takes you further away from the spiritual world. I don't know. But that's basically my experience and my general thoughts. This intrigues me. So Let's go back to that original haunted house and remind me how old you were again. Probably sixth or seventh grade, maybe 12 or 13, something like that. So if you put yourself back to your sixth or seventh grade self, how would you describe the feeling? Was it a physical feeling? Was it an emotional feeling? Yeah, I mean, it was both. Definitely fear. I remember, you know, in all of those instances, thinking, okay, use your mind, you're okay. But, you know, as far as a physical reaction, I would say there was a physical reaction, tightness in the chest. I mean, you know, a fear reaction, a physical fear reaction, clenching, breathing, changing, and definitely that sense of danger and Adrenaline, I guess, would be part of that. Kind of the fight or flight, yeah. physical reaction. And that taking over thinking, 
you know, it's like, I can't get my mind back on track because all I'm thinking about is why am I feeling this? And I need to get out. Did you ever learn anything about that site? No, I didn't. And nothing unusual happened. That's interesting that you asked that because, you know, I don't know. And it's also interesting because I know a lot of people who enjoy scary movies and I don't, I can't watch them. They upset me too much. I'm wondering, you mentioned Jesse and that closet and adjacent room. Did you ever learn about anybody else who had been in that house or? No, you know, it was a rental. I think it had been a rental for a long time. And funny enough, Jesse, who was just an infant, when I tried to put him in his crib in there, would just scream and scream and scream. And, you know, part of it could be he wanted to be with me, but I just moved his crib. He still slept in his crib, but I moved it out of that room and never had that problem. So one of the stories that I remember hearing was before I moved to Kansas City, and it was a woman who was a realtor, and she bought a house for a really good price. It was almost the same language that you used, and it had been the site of a murder. And she talked about having experiences in the house. Now, she knew, though. So that was different. She knew. And if I would be in an environment where I knew ahead of time, I might be looking for things or I might be like completely creeped out. But you didn't know anything about this house. No, no. In fact, if I remember correctly, I did not know anything when I walked into that bedroom and bathroom. And then I don't remember. It was probably later that evening at dinner or something. And he was talking about the house and you know, putting it on the market. You know, he said that the people who lived there had been murdered. I don't think he told me up front. I think I asked him and that's when he told me it was in that back guest bedroom and bathroom. I don't think I divulged to him that I had felt strange. It's just that when he was telling me about the house and the people had been murdered, I think I did inquire and say, oh, what part of the house did it happen in? And he told me. I don't recall sharing with him why I asked that question. That's also very interesting. It was confirmatory. Mm -hmm. This may sound like a rather random question, but given that your friend was planning to put that house on the market, Uh I think because of remembering this woman who I had met years ago, who was a realtor, I actually looked online once and was curious if they are required to divulge that something tragic or, you know, homicidal or whatever has happened. And I think I recall that, I can't remember if it was Kansas or Missouri, but it seemed like one state you had to divulge it and the other you didn't. And I don't know if you recall was there a duty to report that? Did he know when he bought the house or did he learn about it later? So it wasn't in Kansas or Missouri and I'm going to purposely not divulge just so there's no way we can <laughs> identify 
who the man was that I was spending the weekend with. We <laughs> shall not divulge that. <laughs> so in the conversation, I recall in his description that yes, he was aware. And I remember like the next day, and this was probably me just being a little freaked out by it all. But then I was like, oh, I wonder if he had something to do with it. <laughs> it's a great way to get a million dollar house really cheap, but. but maybe not a good way to start a relationship. <laughs> no, that was my last visit. <laughs> My experience of you has been that you are highly empathic, and that seems to be a pattern with the people I talk with on this podcast who have experiences that they can't explain. You were saying maybe you're doing better protecting yourself or you're doing something different. I'm wondering if that has protected you in other ways, in other social situations. Probably so. When you said that I'm highly empathic, I think is the word you used. You're a little forgetful, but you're highly empathic. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is within the spiritual realm, but it does follow suit with that idea of being empathic. So I would say within the last two years, and there's probably been others, but this is the one I remember most recently. I was driving to work and there was a young boy, I'm guessing maybe fifth or sixth grade. And just by his appearance, I would say that maybe lower socioeconomic, you know, his clothes didn't quite fit. I mean, he appeared to be healthy. He was just walking to school and I just had to pull over and pray for him you know I mean I see young people dressed all kinds of way every day but there was just something that came over me it was like I didn't think it was right to approach him I had no idea why I was being and it's even happening now I just I feel it and so all I knew to do was to pull over and pray for whatever was happening in his life and for God's protection for him can't explain it. And there's been a time or two probably that I've met people that were similar. I just felt like, wow, they, something's no one that I know just walking by somebody. How do these experiences fit in your belief system or faith tradition? So I'm a Christian. Protestant, raised evangelical. I wouldn't say I'm evangelical now. I guess to answer that question, honestly, I have to think about, you know, what were some of the main tenets of the religion from a very young age, right? <laughs> I often joke and I'll tell people, well, I was raised in a Pentecostal church, minus the snakes and strychnine. <laughs> so but that does give you a pretty good picture. The Pentecostals, at least that I grew up with, we believed in speaking in tongues. So obviously we believe wholeheartedly that the Holy Ghost is with us. 
and can guide us. So I guess that would mean warn us or whatever else. So I guess I've always been open to the idea that through my faith, God, specifically the Holy Ghost, is with us. So I wasn't really afraid of the feelings. I was more afraid of not knowing why I was having the feelings and feeling like I needed to get out of that situation or that room, right? So I guess the idea that we are spiritual beings was part of my upbringing from a very young age. I've been in enough services where people were speaking in tongues. And I can tell you when I believe, as the Bible says, if you believe that the spirit of God can talk to you, it's not too far-fetched that you would believe that people can speak in tongues if it's biblical. So the Bible does have scriptures that talk about how you'll know if it's real. So I've been in church services when I've been very certain that what was happening felt real. And according to the Bible, followed the rules. One person speaks in tongues and somebody else's translates, for example. I've been in services where somebody speaks in tongues and then they translate it themselves. That's not biblical. And I didn't have the same feeling. So I've been in services where what I perceived to be the presence of God was in the room. And my response to that was that, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> and there's been some times when I thought, mm, no. <laughs> so that's an interesting question. And I, that probably is a good basis for why I would be open to the idea that these unexplained feelings were coming from something. And what it was coming from, I think I just assumed was a protector. Did you have any beliefs in terms of evil or that there was an evil force in the world where having these feelings might have frightened you? When you had that feeling, it sounded like you trusted your instinct enough to say, I need to get out of here. Yeah. So when I felt it, it wasn't so much that I needed to get out because I was in danger. I needed to get out because I didn't like the feeling and I didn't know what it represented. I've actually never gone through a haunted house with other people. I've been through two that are on a farm that my sister and brother-in-law have. Uh -huh. So I'm curious, were there other people there? Like, did you have people screaming or where people were around you where there was a lot of emotion or was it just you and a few other people and it was still quiet? Yeah, it was me and my best friend and she talked me into going and I didn't want to go. <laughs> There's really no logic to it. And she was having a great time and thought it was hilarious. And, and I hated every step of it. <laughs> and so I don't know that that feeling I had at the haunted house was really the same kind of protection or warning or just a sense. I was just trying to explain something that would explain how I felt in those other two situations. That I guess it was apprehension. Maybe that's what I'm trying to capture. Just something's not right. It's something bad. <laughs> it's definitely something bad that's not right. Did it have any tinge of being evil in any way? I associated evil. 
definitely not just something happened, but something evil. Yes, I would say that was my fear that there was something evil. Again, with your faith tradition that you were raised in, did you find yourself praying or saying a silent prayer to yourself or doing anything to kind of protect yourself other than removing yourself? I don't vividly remember, but I pray all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not long, lengthy prayers. I'm guessing that if I felt bad about the room and it didn't go away, it would be customary for me throughout my life to just say, okay, I don't know what that was. Please protect us. And then just stay out of the room. Subsequently, when you've moved locations to a new home or a new house where you were going to be residing for any period of time, as you looked at places, were you thinking about your reaction, your physical reaction? Did that factor in at all to yeah. your choice? Yeah, and I don't remember ever, you know, looking at a property and having that strong of a reaction. But since that time, I do listen. Well, just like seeing the little boy, although a different situation, I just felt like there was something he needed. It was bad. You know, it's on the bad spectrum. So I do listen to myself. If I go somewhere and I have an uneasy feeling, I would not move in, for example. There's an episode called Aloha in there, which is a little bit of a takeoff on a song that's called Hello in there. <laughs> and the woman I was talking with was talking about having really strong feelings about place. I believe I shared with her, but I don't remember if it's in the podcast, to be honest. I remember the first time I had that kind of a reaction to a home. My husband and I were looking at houses in Arizona, and there was this house that I call the Shining House. We didn't buy it, thankfully, but <laughs> I just remember walking into this house and having this physical reaction to the house. And actually I'm getting goosebumps. Like literally right now it's going yeah. up and down my arms, even thinking about that house. And I just had a bad feeling that something bad had happened there, that there had been violence in that house. Come walking around a corner and there's a bathroom with a broken door jam, almost like you know, Jack Nicholson, you know, right. with the axe, like somebody busted through there. And there were like punching out in the walls. And I just said, there's something no. really bad here. Mm -hmm. And the house that we ended up buying was the one that I felt the people who lived here loved this house and they took good care of it. And there was love in this house. It was right. the only time I think I've had that emotional, other than the house we're in now, that emotional reaction to a home. So it's interesting, just talking about the spiritual realm overall, not so much the eeriness, which, you know, those are just great examples of the spiritual world though, right? And that it's very real, that, you know, because there's no other reason with, without knowing anything, why would you 
have such a strong reaction if you're open to having that reaction, right? So interestingly, when I worked at a, another organization, I had a boss that I really liked very much and he was Mormon. And so our beliefs very, very different. And I don't even know how we got on the conversation of faith and spirituality at work, but we did. And it was always very pleasant. And so at some point we, we were talking, I have no idea what the precursors of conversation was, but we were talking about how do you feel the spirit of God? I didn't know much about Mormons, but I was kind of just shocked that he says, I feel the spirit of God all the time. And I'm like, well, so do I. <laughs> and so we were talking about it. And there's times when I am going through challenges and uncertain times that I actually physically feel what I'm going to say is God or the Holy Spirit. And it's basically kind of a very warm, tingling sensation across my whole body at once not erotic, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just, that's really hard. So I was trying to explain it to him because, and it's not like I can call it. It's not as though I can sit here and go, okay, I want to feel that. Send it to me. It just happens. Like if I'm worried about something or there's something on my mind and it just comes to me without me seeking it. And it's kind of similar to this situation with the boy on the street same thing it was just like okay the presence was there and for no reason you know I have no background I, have, I don't know so it's like well why would that spirit be present with me as I'm looking at this boy walking to school if there was not something I needed to do right so I was talking with my boss and he said same thing he feels the presence of God and that's what it feels like. And he can't call it. It just comes. So interesting to me. And I know that my evangelical friends would probably think I'm going to burn in hell for saying this, but I don't know. I believe God is the only one who knows. And someday we might know, but I just think the religions of the world have many common elements. It makes me wonder. And I had an employee who was Muslim and we talked a little bit about it. And although all these different faiths have different rituals and manifestations of their faith and the way they live their lives, there's so many common threads. And when I talked to my boss, who was the Mormon, if this is how I believe God presents himself to me, and this is a Mormon, and this is how God presents himself to this person. Aren't we talking about the same God? And maybe God has revealed himself to different peoples in different ways throughout history in a way that they could understand. That's my thought. I promise I won't tell the evangelicals. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my mother I said that. <laughs> Mom's the word. So earlier I was describing something and I was getting goosebumps. I have had an experience that I would attribute to kind of the description that you had about feeling like it was like a God thing. I call it the God thing. Yeah. And 
it's almost been like reverse goosebumps. It's almost like an electrical thing that goes kind of up my spine and through my head kind of a thing. It's almost like electricity, but it doesn't give you the goosebumps. I shiver a little bit, but it's sort of that electric yes. feeling. Yeah, um, yeah. Describe as well as you can the physical manifestation of what you're experiencing. So, so there's a couple of things that it's hard, but I think saying reverse goosebumps is maybe a good way to say it because goosebumps is something that you feel on your skin and you know it when it happens, but I can feel it in the top part of my body. I feel it on my shoulders. I feel it on my arms. I feel it on my face. It's a warm, it's a tingling sensation, but it's not a frightening tingle. It feels, it's welcomed. You said you can't will it. I'm wondering, is there a subset of experiences that you have that it tends to happen in? Like you said, it was sort of random with this young boy that you saw and you didn't mm -hmm. know him. So I'm going to divulge that I think once in my life, I've actually heard audible words. And I can't really explain that very well either. But that was the first time I felt what I now call this presence. So without going into too much details, ugly divorce, father died. It was definitely the lowest point in my life. And I did get up and go to work every day, but I cried all the time. <laughs> you know, I cried on my way to work. I cried on my lunch hour. I cried when I got home. My world had just basically fallen apart. And it was during that time that it was like, I don't even know what I know anymore. And I didn't even know what to pray for. It's like, I'm completely lost. I'm so hurt and shattered and I don't know how to exist in what I thought was my life. So I searched for what do I know? You know, it's like, cause I remember I was laying in bed one night. I was like, okay, I don't even know what to pray for God. No idea. I don't even know what I know. And then it occurred to me, well, I still believe Jesus loves me. You know, and although that may sound corny, that's all I could hang on to. It was like, that's one thing I'm certain of. I'm a child of God. God loves me. So during that same period of time, I was driving home from work one day and crying and felt that sensation. Didn't really recognize it as much because it was the first time it happened. And I heard... In my mind, I heard, you know, kind of like remembering something somebody said to you or hearing the voice of a parent. And it said, it's time to stop crying. And I was so freaked out about it because I was just driving home crying and oh my God, my life. And what threw me was it was a familiar voice. It was something that I was like, but I was trying to figure, I said, well, that wasn't my mom's voice. And that wasn't my dad's voice. And that wasn't my grandma's voice. But it was as if some, a loved one or someone very close to me was telling me, as if they had said it a week ago and I was recalling it. 
and it was just it's time to stop crying and I'm like okay that was really really weird <laughs> was it a male or a female voice well and that's what's kind of strange about it too because see as I recall it I was I was going was that my mom's voice or my dad's voice in the very instant that it happened it was it was as if it was somebody I knew it's really strange because you're talking about a, a fraction of a second, right? And so I'm, I'm driving down Shawnee Mission Parkway. <laughs> that was really weird. And then I was trying to place the voice because again, it was like recalling if my dad had told me something and I was reliving it in my mind, I would have some connection with that was my dad's voice, right? But as the light changed, I'm driving, I'm like, well, where did that come from and whose voice was it and I remember questioning both male and female so I don't know did it feel like comforting or um not as comforting as I would I remember like a few days later it was like well that must have been God right and it was like well, I wonder if he still loves me if all he said was it's time for me to stop crying <laughs> At least but, you didn't get to pull yourself up by your bootstraps lecture or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. It was horrible times, but I, I was like, okay, well, that's what I have to do. And I just started trying to find a joy in every day. Money was really tight, but I bought just a cheap candle. I bought a plant and a candle. <laughs> and that's probably when things started getting better. So it felt instructional. It felt loving. So it's interesting that what I was trying to figure out was whose voice it was. I was thinking of my mother or my father or my grandmother, the people who would have given me an instruction, a loving redirector. The idea of doing something to bring joy into your life, did it come out of that or was that just a process later? It was in the same time frame, and it was like, okay. And then I really started reflecting on that. And it's like, I don't know how to stop crying. My world is in pieces, you know, and I've always been a risk taker and pretty strong willed and could roll with the punches. But at this point, I was just flat on the mat. So, so I started reflecting on it. You know, if it was indeed an instruction, then how do I do that? And of course I prayed, you know, again, I didn't know what to pray other than, okay, I'm going to try to stop crying now. <laughs> and thank you for loving me. So I reflected on how this would impact my children if I didn't pick myself up in a big way. And it was okay that they saw the damage, although, you know what I mean, they were young and I still hate that things were so ugly in their young life, but it was like, well, the way to repair this, it's going to take years, not days, not months. It's going to take years and years, but the only way to do that is to pick yourself up and to show them so that if anything devastating happens in their life, they'll have recollection of how to get up and make it better. So then it became a mission. So whatever I could do, you know, I didn't know joy. So it was like, okay, I have to find very small ways to interject joy. So, you know, like I said, the small candle and 
making decisions to finish my PhD, to make a difference not only for my children, but for others, and making a conscious decision that I was not going to let that devastation be the rest of my story. You found your mission on Mission Parkway. I did. <laughs> and I can tell you that I've never since that time felt like I was hearing what must have been the voice of God. I just can't explain it. It was somebody giving me an instruction that I did not trigger. You know, I wasn't praying, give me an answer. It was just, bam, there was in my head at the stoplight. Um, and that part's never happened. But that was the first time that I kind of felt the tingling warm sensation. If you were to seek a practice where you could retrieve that feeling more at will, like a meditative practice, or it's more that God or that voice or that spirit, that presence visits you when you need the presence. Another good question, because I've thought about that and I purposely don't seek it. I don't want to meditate or try to call God to me. It means more when it happens randomly. You know what I mean? And it's weird because I'll go months and months and months and then it'll happen. So no, I don't want to and I wouldn't feel comfortable. It's kind of like I'd be trying to maneuver God which to me would demonstrate a lack of trust. I'm just gonna be happy when he decides to shine upon me. And there's another episode called Protective Presence. In that one, the woman shared that she kind of missed when it wasn't there, but she was almost afraid because it often portended that something negative was happening in her life that brought it in. So it was sort of missing it, but also not wanting to wish it on herself. Do you have any of those kind of feelings? No, I mean, there have been times when I'm doing work on a wow, I haven't felt that in a while, but I always feel like it's such a blessing. So as you know, I'm going through a major life change right now. And it's happened probably five or six times in the last two months. And probably the first time prior to making the decision that I recently made. So when I haven't felt it in a while, yeah, I kind of miss it because it makes me feel special. <laughs> and, you know, it feeds my faith. I do have faith, right? But it's, it's there. So just like the transition that I have recently triggered, there was some negativity that got me to that point where I needed to make a change. But I don't think the presence that I felt was to protect me from that. It was to let me know I was going to be okay. So it's not always just negative things. It's just when things are on my mind or I'm going through a transition or my children are going through a transition, something like that. I shared an experience that I had before moving here where there's a one-way driver going the wrong way. And now I'm getting those goosebumps again. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. 
and it wasn't like a voice told me, but it was like, why was I even thinking that? It was such a right. strong, can you think of anything that's been sort of like that where maybe it wasn't a voice per se, but just like this strong thought occurred to you or like a compulsion to do something? Yeah, quite a few times actually. You know, I mean, the scripture talks to us about asking God to guide our steps. And I, I think he guides our steps by guiding our thoughts, right? And, you know, the things that are coming to my mind aren't things that were that immediately recognizable. But I will say that dealing with mentally ill people, my son and there's others in my family, those situations can be very scary when you're not dealing with somebody, you don't know where their mind is. So in the most recent example, I'm certain that my thoughts were guided. So in the last instance that I, I had reason to have some fear, things played out in a very good way. Knew to sleep with my bedroom door open instead of closed knew to have a plan for getting out. I think I was directed where to take the person when they did agree to go to the hospital, which they absolutely needed to do. So absolutely, in those situations, there's really no right or wrong. You can't logic your way through it. You have to believe that someone's going to direct your steps in the best possible way, or it could turn out very bad. The verse that I think I always found comforting and inspiring also was, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It sounds as if the protective nature of the presence that you feel, it may not be shining a light, but it's guiding your steps. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's always positive. It's always comforting. Again, presence is a really good word for it. It's knowing that that presence with you and it's there to help you. For people listening to the podcast who maybe have had some of these kinds of experiences but don't quite know what to think of it or maybe even afraid of it in some cases, would you have any suggestions for them? Well, I would say, you know, I mean, assuming you're a spiritual person, you have a faith. I seem to just intuitively see it as a good, positive, protective thing. And now when I feel it, I just immediately pray, you know, thank you for being here with me. You know what I mean? And so I kind of have a conversation with the presence, <laughs> but I pray. So I would say if somebody feels it for the first time and they're not sure about it, that's what I would do. I would pray. And when I pray, it seems to stay with me longer. When I focus on it and I pray in gratitude, it lasts, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. Sometimes it might be more like a minute. So the fact that when I feel that and I pray, I feel it with me longer, in my mind says that it's God. It's that presence and it's a good thing. And it's supposed to be with me in that moment. So I'd say, pray, pray with it. <laughs> Likewise, 
with the kind of experiences that you described at the beginning of our conversation, any suggestions or recommendations or words of wisdom for people who have had those kinds of experiences of kind of yeah. fear or yeah i would say listen to your gut you know there's a lot of good science out right now i'm reading a couple of different books caneman is one and where we're learning about how our brains work thinking fast thinking slow and you know gut instinct right so even if you're a person that doesn't feel real in tune to your spirituality there's science too that will tell us that we should listen to our gut I mean, if you are a person who's spiritual, just pray and know that those feelings are coming from a protective force. And if you believe in that protective force, they're going to take care of you. You know, in both of those instances, I didn't think I was going to be attacked. I just felt that there was evil in that space. And I didn't want to be in the midst of it. We're learning about it with guts, about microbiomes. I'm wondering, as a system thinking person, if there's a macrobiome that is also part of this spiritual realm. Yeah. And you know, something else that just came in my mind, I don't know in the Bible if it says God is in us. I think it might, but there are some people I've talked to, they talk about God is in us. So, you know, how does that connect with what we call our gut instinct? If you're in tune with what can't be seen, if you're in tune with listening to yourself, like, you thinking to yourself, which lane should I be in, right? Is that God in you, right? And so I think it's a practice of not to make it science versus faith, but I think there's a balance. And I think science is telling us some things. When I lose balance, when I try to have too much control, when I try to fight against things that I am fearful of, I lose that balance. I think I make the best decisions and then my best person when I'm just open to the idea that the thoughts that I'm having from a good place are my guiding thoughts. You know, if you're going to a room and it creeps you out, believe it, <laughs> you know, doesn't mean something evil is going to happen to you, but it just means there's evil in that space. And that's not something you want to feel every day. the origin of doing this podcast really has come out of just having all these conversations with people that I know and total strangers. Right. That, you know, I can be in a gift shop in a hotel and somebody tells me a story about something that they can't right. explain. Well, it is interesting. Seems like there's parallels, right? So it's not like all these people got together and said, we're all going to say that this is what it feels like. And this is, you know what I mean? So right. it's evidence that there is a spiritual world. And I've always believed that. I don't even know where I heard it. Something to the effect of the things that are most real are the things that can't be seen. We live in this world of the things that we can see and we can understand. And we focus, focus, focus on that. It doesn't mean that there's not this other world that we're just not paying attention to. Thank you for listening to Spirited Conversations. 
Please like and follow Spirited Conversations on Facebook at Terry Kennedy 1111. T-E-R-I-K-E-N-N-E-D-Y 1111. If you have a personal story to share, please message me with a brief description of your experience, your first name, and email address. Sleep tight. Ooh.